again, everyone. Welcome to Cotton Grower Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. This is Jim Stedman, editor of Cotton Grower, alongside my colleague and good friend, Beck Barnes. And Beck, two weeks ago, we were complaining about ice and snow and sub-zero temperatures across the Mid-South and other Cotton Belt states. And now we're sitting in the first of what will probably be multiple springs that we're going to see between now and, uh, and April. And I know you've had a listing of those springs. Can you recall which one we're in? Yeah, I used to have I used to have it uh, close at hand. I don't have it written down, but I, I believe this is called First Fool's Spring. Um, <laughs> and if people who were listening last year will recall, I am I am the fool uh, when it gets to be this temperature. Yeah, I caught myself thinking about, you know, should I be thinking about laying some mulch down and uh, flour? What if I ran up to the my little garden center and got some flowers? And then, you know, of course take a step back and realize it's probably going to look like, you know, Antarctica again uh, at some point in February. It's nice. Got to, got to hang on to it while it, while it's here. I mean, I told you a moment ago, I may try to sneak out and hop on the bike while it's currently 67 degrees and sunshiny outside. Yeah. Well, you know, it does give you hope in the middle of, you know, what is technically winter, but. Uh, yeah. For my mental health. Yes. It's winter. Yeah. I need it. Definitely. Definitely. Well, today in today's episode, we're going to turn our attention to cotton marketing, but we're not going to be uh, talking with any of our usual economic experts. Instead, as, as we mentioned in our last episode, we're going to visit with Jason Moss, Stennett, Texas, who's the recipient of the 2023 Joseph J. O'Neill Cotton Marketer of the Year Award, which is sponsored by BASF. Jason and his partner, Chris Bogner, farm 8,000 acres, up in the Texas Panhandle, northeast of Amarillo, it, and included in that is uh, more than 2,000 acres of cotton. Now, he grew up on a family farm in west central Illinois, uh, which he also still farms, but he spent more than 15 years in marketing consultant with growers in multiple commodities, so he's got a really interesting background. Had an opportunity to sit down with Jason during the Beltwide Cotton Conference this last month. We're going to share that conversation with you in just a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one, Jim. Uh, but first, of course, we want our sponsor partner, the American Cotton Shippers Association. Uh, they have a brief message they'd like to share with us. The American Cotton Shippers Association, also known as AXA, is a trade association primarily made up of cotton merchants founded in 1924. AXA members manage the majority of the world's cotton trade, providing services of merchandising, delivery logistics, and risk management to their customers. AXA is proud to be celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. Join them in Scottsdale, Arizona in June 2024 for their centennial celebration event. Okay, thanks to our good friends at AXA, the American Cotton Shippers Association, for that message and for their support. Now, before we get to our interview, uh, just a reminder that the National Cotton Council will be holding its annual meeting next week. That's February 16th through the 18th in Orlando. And during this meeting, delegates and industry representatives from the 17 cotton-producing states and all seven industry segments are going to review and approve resolutions, establish policies to guide the activities of the National Cotton Council in the coming year. And it's also the time when new officers are elected for the organization. I bet this year you get the opportunity to go to Orlando representing Cotton Grower at the meeting. And as, as you know, it's always, it's always a busy few days. Lots of activities, lots of news together and digest. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to getting down there. Good night. 
looking forward to getting out of the house for a little while here in the doldrums of winter and uh it'll be right a few degrees uh warmer down there i would think than it is when i leave here but yeah i'm looking forward to it jim you know uh on a kind of uh, i guess personal note i'm I'm getting to the age now where where buddies of mine who I know back home are uh, getting involved in the council, and I've gotten a few texts from guys uh, back in the Mississippi Delta wanting to know if I'll be there this year because they're going for the first time, and so that's exciting um, to get uh, you know the, uh, some new blood in there, and uh, looking forward to seeing some of some of my buddies uh, down in Orlando, some of my farmer buddies, I should say, uh, down in Orlando this week. You know. You, I'm certain you don't remember. There's no reason you would, Jim, but uh, three, coming up on four years ago now, uh, I was doing some business down in Florida. We had a sister publication called Florida Grower, and uh, I was uh, coming into a new position. I was a business director for Florida Grower, and I was going to go down there. There's a very nice golf course outside of Orlando. I think it's called like Stream Song. Mm-hmm. If I were a better golfer, I would, I would know the end of my memory was better. I would know the uh, name of this course, but anyhow, it's like people know about it. It's really nice. And I was very uh, giddy that I had this new job that was going to require me to be playing a lot of golf down there in Florida, uh, cutting deals right on the course down there in Florida uh, in the warm months. And so I, I had the first of these golf trips lined up, 18 holes with a business partner, and the date for this thing was... March 12, 2020, and if you have a uh, any type of memory, you'll know that that was, I think it was the day that the NBA and various other associations around the country shut down, <laughs> and uh, I never got to play that round of golf, is what I mean to tell you, and so I have a, I have a rain check on it, I'm going to see if they will honor it from four years ago, uh, the, the round of golf that I had canceled by a pandemic so i'm looking forward to that too well i'll keep my fingers crossed for you that you can make that you can squeeze that in somewhere while you're down there well let's hope we don't have another outbreak you know between now and you know maybe universe was trying to tell me something that uh <laughs> i'm not meant to play that course or something well any you've ever seen me play any golf course is a you know is way above my head well, now that's, so that's that's worth mentioning too. My game, my golf game four years ago was, you know, I was before I had a kid, so I, my game was I was in much better practice back then. Now, now I'm probably pretty pretty poor. So, um, I, I would hope none of my business associates would happen to drive by and see uh, me on the course this year. I, I don't want to see any, anybody holding up cell phones. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, obviously with. Uh, with the meeting, you know, there's there's lots of recaps, there's lots of reports, uh, news coming out of that meeting. Uh, we're going to be covering it all, so uh, be sure to keep an eye on CottonGrower.com. We'll probably have we're going to have some comprehensive coverage in the April issue of Cotton Grower, and we will definitely talk in more detail about the meeting, about the election results, and the annual awards that the NCC presents in this next episode, in our next episode of the Cotton Companion. Since speaking of awards, let's move on to our interview with Jason Moss, who received the 2023 Joseph J. O'Neill Cotton Marketer of the Year Award. As I mentioned earlier, Jason has a very interesting backstory on how he and his partner got into the cotton business, and he and I had a chance to visit following the award presentation earlier this year at the Beltwide Cotton Conferences in Fort Worth. Here's what he had to say. 
Jason, tell me a little bit about your your farming operation. Uh, name your farm and uh, some of the things that you're uh, some of the crops and and things that you have going. Yeah, our the name of our farming operation is Pringle Family Farms, which is a partnership of myself and Chris Bogner. Mm-hmm. And we farm in the Texas Panhandle. We farm irrigated uh, corn and cotton, and on our dry land acres, we raise milo or cotton or wheat, depending on the the rainfall at the time of planting. It's still rainfall dependent up there. It really is rainfall dependent. And, mm-hmm. you know, dry land crops are kind of a one in three year probability of making a crop. So it's largely an insurance game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, so everything kind of lives in, and dies by the, your irrigated acreage. Right. You are in a part of Texas that I think has been described as being pretty harsh from time to time. That's right. A Quite harsh. Mother Nature, I, I come from the Midwest. I'm a corn, soybean, hog farmer from West Central Illinois. Okay. And learning to farm in the, the Texas Panhandle was was eye-opening experience. Mother Nature is a lot uh, more ruthless in West Texas. And in fact, uh, the conquistador Cortez, on a story, said in his journal after he did a tour up through what included the Texas Panhandle, this would have been in the early mid 1500s he said this place is not inhabitable by humans speaking to how harsh other nature actually is yeah but you do miss some water up there right we do you know it the water comes from the ogallala aquifer which extends from up into nebraska down to close to where we're at in texas and the lubbock area has started to run out of water in the last 20 years the the dalhart area uh, has started to run out of water over the last 10 to 15 years in. So the cotton belt has really shifted from the Lubbock area to Amarillo, to Amarillo North area in Texas. Okay. Now you've got some background as a marketing consultant in, in, in the business. There we How has that impacted or has that been valuable to you in terms of setting up your own farming operation and, and, and marketing your crops? Well, I, I think having a background in marketing, you know, allowed me to have a comfort factor with the supply chain, just how how crops were merchandised in the area. I started working with farmers in the Texas Panhandle in 2007 mm-hmm. and, you know, learned how how corn flows, you know, the kind of basis that elevators typically have, the, the different types of contracts that farmers use and what available contracts there were. And yeah, learning that first, uh, you know, I come from an ag econ background, so uh, the marketing component uh, was 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 crucial in you know, being able to forge and out of the Midwest into a lot higher risk farming environment. Definitely. Well, what's your philosophy on on marketing cotton? Uh, you know, I have a lot of different marketing philosophies. Most of them, you know, would would apply to to to, to any crop. You know, I I think. Sometimes I think it's for, for example, I think the biggest mistakes in marketing are always quantity related, not price. I think we sell too much of it or too little of it or all of it or none of it. It's, it's usually not from, uh, you know, selling something at a price that the price was that bad. So I think they're quantity related. And I think when it comes to estimating what price could do, I think it's a lot easier to be right on price than it is on time. You know, for example, you might, I think that cotton could get back to 85 cents and there's a big difference on whether that happens by January the 25th or if it's happening on April 2nd. So I think uh, 
so I, I try to focus on uh, price, but then get, get, be a little flexible on on the time. And I, I think it's important to know your next price. You know, if I decide today I don't want to sell cotton, mm -hmm. well, then today I think it's important that I be able to state at what price I do want to make the next sale. Um, to you know, the market's just too volatile to decide to decide later. You you need to know your next pricing point, and then. I like to diversify the marketing. So a, a portion of the crop, whether it's a quarter of the thir or a third of the crop, you know, to have, uh, put them in various pools. And I like to put them in a few different pools just to kind of compare and contrast between them. And then uh, on the rest of it, uh, I like to use acre contracts. We're in an area of Texas with a little bit lower quality where sometimes weather can can really diminish quality in a hurry if you don't expect it. For example, if we're cool, too cool in the end of the season, in that September time frame, the quality can really diminish. And the penalty for quality discounts in an acre contract is a little more forgiving than bail contract. Mm -hmm. so, um, it's kind of how I, I go about it. Diversify the marketing tools that we use to sell the crop. Mm -hmm. Crop insurance? Yes, crop insurance is a big part of farming in, in Texas in general. You know, one contrast from the Midwest I, I found in Texas, you know, it's big, high hail risk country. So, you know, every year we are always, you know, debating, you know, it's the mix. It's crop insurance, your multi-parallel insurance, and your, your hail insurance. And the combination of, two, of the two, you know, how many dollars you're protecting in amongst multi-parallel crop insurance that protects against anything mm -hmm. and that almost anything uh, and the hail insurance, you know, uh, so it's a balance between the two. Okay. Um, I think when we talked earlier, we uh, last week you mentioned something about there's some certain advantages to farming in your area that over say the mid South and, and the Southeast. Um, can you kind of explain that a little bit? You know, I've always, and, and I've worked with growers, uh, talked with farmers in the Delta the deep south to the the Texas Panhandle for the last couple of decades, and on average, I think that the the cost of production is four to seven cents lower in the Texas Panhandle, which could be a combination of a little bit less less insect pressure, um, different a little different seed cost or other maybe some chemical cost, but uh, while it you do have that cost advantage. Uh, you know, the, the swing in what Mother Nature deals you, you know, we might have, let's say we had the same average yield as someone in Mississippi Delta. Mm -hmm. You know, we would probably, the, the same farm in Texas would probably have a lot wider range of the, the lowest yield to the highest yield that comprised of that average, just a lot more uh, volatility in the higher standard deviation and risk. Okay, great. For more details about Jason and the Cotton Market of the Year Award, Check out the cover story in the February issue of Cotton Grower, as well as on cottongrower.com. So, all right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast. We want to say a big thank you to the Cotton Marketer of the Year, Jason Moss, for taking time to visit with us. And we want to thanks we want to say thank you as well to the American Cotton Shippers Association for their participation and sponsorship of the Cotton Companion. And as always, we want to say thank you, dear listener, for joining us. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode and if you did indeed like what you've heard 
Please be sure to spread the word. Tell your farming friends and neighbors about the Cotton Companion podcast. Here's where and how they can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, The Cotton Grower E-News, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Cotton Companion Podcast is produced twice monthly. Tyler Hatch and Ken Henderson are talented colleagues at the World Headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. I'm Jim Stedman. He's Beck Barnes, and we'll be back with you in a few weeks with all the news from the National Cotton Council annual meeting the next episode of The Cotton Companion. Until then, stay dry and stay safe. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made